and there is some satisfaction in that. If I were to point out all the notable places as we pass up the broad walk, it would be time to turn back before we reach them. But I simply wave my stick at Checo Hewlett's tree, that memorable spot where a boy called Checo lost his penny, and looking for it, found two pence. There has been a good deal of excavation going on there ever since. Farther up the walk is the little wooden house in which Marmaduke Perry hid. There is no more awful story of the gardens than this of Marmaduke Perry, who had been Mary Annish three days in succession, and was sentenced to appear in the Broadwalk dressed in his sister's clothes. He hid in the little wooden house and refused to emerge until they brought him knickerbockers with pockets. You now try to go to the round pond, but nurses hate it because they are not really manly and they make you look the other way at the big penny in the baby's palace. She was the most celebrated baby of the gardens and lived in the palace all alone, with ever so many dolls, so people rang the bell and up she got out of her bed, though it was past six o'clock, and she lighted a candle and opened the door in her nighty, and then they all cried with great rejoicings, Hail, Queen of England! What puzzled David most was how she knew where the matches were kept. The Big Penny is a statue about her. Next, we come to the Hump, which is the part of the broad walk where all the big races are run. And even though you had no intention of running, you do run when you come to the Hump. It is such a fascinating, slide-down kind of place. Often you stop when you have run about halfway down it, and then you are lost. But there is another little wooden house near here called the Lost House, and so you tell the man that you are lost, and then he finds you. It is glorious fun racing down the hump, but you can't do it on windy days, because then you are not there, but the fallen leaves do it instead of you. There is almost nothing that has such a keen sense of fun as a fallen leaf. From the hump, we can see the gate that is called after Miss Mabel Gray, the fig I promised to tell you about. There were always two nurses with her, or else one mother and one nurse, and for a long time she was a pattern child who always coughed off the table and said, How do you do? to the other figs. And the only game she played at was flinging a ball gracefully and letting the nurse bring it back to her. Then one day she tired of it all and went mad dog. And, first, to show that she really was mad dog, she unloosened both her bootlaces and put out her tongue, east, west, north, and south. She then flung her sash into a puddle and danced on it till dirty water was squirted over her frock, after which she climbed the fence and had a series of incredible adventures, one of the least of which was that she kicked off both her boots. At last she came to the gate that is now called after her, out of which she ran into streets David and I have never been in, though we have heard them roaring, and still she ran on and would never again have been heard of had not her mother jumped into a bus and thus overtaken her. It all happened, I should say, long ago.
and this is not the Mabel Gray whom David knows. Returning up the broad walk, we have on our right the baby walk, which is so full of perambulators that you could cross from side to side stepping on babies, but the nurses won't let you do it. From this walk a passage called Bunting's Thumb, because it is that length, leads into Picnic Street, where there are real kettles and chestnut blossom falls into your mug as you are drinking. Quite common children picnic here also, and the blossom falls into their mugs just the same. Next comes St. Gover's Well, which was full of water when Malcolm the Bold fell into it. He was his mother's favourite, and let her put her arm round his neck in public because she was a widow. But he was also partial to adventures, and liked to play with a chimney sweep who had killed a good many bears. The sweep's name...